Welcome to Tough Cookie Podcast, a podcast about badass women in food. I'm your host, Darlene Wienheisen, graphic designer and food content creator at PickleJarStudios.com. Today we have Michelle Mitchell with us. Michelle is co-owner of Hum Kombucha in Bend, Oregon. Michelle, welcome to Tough Cookie. Thank you. I'm excited <laughs> to be here. Yeah. Thank you so much for taking the time to talk to me today. Absolutely. So... I wanted to start by asking you to give us a brief intro to who you are, what you do, and how you got into the kombucha business. How did that all start? Yeah, um, well, it's a fun story. It actually started, uh, you know, you could say it started in the early 80s with my mother-in-law. Uh, she started brewing kombucha a long time ago. And then when I met her, which would have been in 2002, uh, I tasted her kombucha. I didn't know what kombucha was, uh, and I tasted what she had been brewing, and it was awful. It was like the worst <laughs> ever. <laughs> it's like taking a shot of whiskey. I mean, it literally burned as it went down. And this is your mother-in-law. This is my mother-in-law. And you're like, mmm. I know. <laughs> but she swore by it. Like she yeah. took it religiously every single morning, and she took it like a shot. It was like this two-ounce shot of kombucha. It was wow. her medicine slash vitamins slash vitality. You know, wow. whatever it was every morning, and um, and that was the deal. And then I started researching it and I, you know, I love to tinker. Part of my major in school was biology. I love the science behind things. And oh, I love cool. to kind of play and craft. And so I started, I, I became aware and educated about the benefits of kombucha. And I thought, surely there's a way to make this taste better. Yeah. So I just started tinkering. <laughs> and lo and behold, there is plenty of ways to make it taste better than what my mother-in-law was doing, but <laughs> she really was the one that got me introduced to it. Yeah. Oh, wow. That's cool. So I didn't know that your um, major was, or part of your major was biology. Yeah. That's really I'm, interesting. I'm one of those ones that like I couldn't decide on a major, and so they let me actually create my own, and it was called interdisciplinary, some fancy word for people that can't uh -huh. decide on a major. <laughs> and biology was one of them, and Spanish was one of them, and music oh, was one of them. Oh, nice. As was anthropology as a sidebar. <laughs> wow. That's a really cool combination. Yeah. yeah, very cool. Um, so I guess I should disclose to the audience that you are actually one of my clients. And yeah. so I know I have a previous relationship with you. So if anything comes up um, to the listener that doesn't make sense, it's, it's probably because Michelle and I already know each other. That's true. <laughs> and we'll try to fill in the blanks as we can. So did your mother-in-law give you her original recipe? No, I don't even think I wanted it. <laughs> Thanks, but no thanks. So <laughs> She's so wonderful and so, you know, introduced me to it. But no, I um, I think I came up with the recipe on my own, just having done research about what, okay. you know, what teas best feed the, the SCOBY. The SCOBY is the mechanism that actually um, ferments the sweet tea and mm -hmm. turns it into kombucha. And so I did a ton of research on, you know, what teas does the SCOBY most Mm. like or resonate with and what which ones can't you use and I just played a ton of playing around with black teas and green teas and rooibos teas and all different kinds of yeah yeah you know of, of combinations and came up with one that really is what we still use today wow yeah. cool so this was pre-internet yeah <laughs> yeah <laughs> well no you know what 
or it was the early 2000s. Okay. So. okay. But she definitely was doing it pre-internet. But no, I did a lot of research online. There's a Good. book. I remember a couple of different books that I started with. And one, um, I mean, it's just called Kombucha. And it's by a German guy. And, um, you know, it's kind of Kombucha 101. That was a good starting point. Nice. Yeah. Okay. Awesome. Um, how would you describe kombucha to anybody out there that hasn't had it before? Like, what does it kind of taste like? Yeah. Um, you know, I think some people describe it as tasting somewhat like uh, apple cider. Mm-hmm. Um, it is. It's a fermented tea, so it doesn't. I hear a lot of people say, "Well, I don't really like tea, so I wouldn't like kombucha." And there's really no correlation as it relates to taste. It doesn't taste like tea. It tastes like a fermented beverage. And I think that you know, a lot of times people will will choose to drink kombucha instead of a beer at Mm -hmm. a bar, for example, because it it looks like beer and it has that fermentation feel, but there's no alcohol in it and there's a lot of B vitamins in it. You know, it feels very refreshing. Yeah. Yeah. The carbonation, the slight carbonation it has is is really nice. It is like, it is a lot like cider. I guess I would agree with that. Yeah. Yeah. It's a really good alternative to, to another kind of beverage like that. Yeah, for sure. Yeah. How did you playing around with kombucha in those early days lead you to hum kombucha now? Yeah, it was, um, you know, the story started on a tennis court. (laughs) No, I had moved to, so Eric and I um, uh, traveled around the world for a handful of years after we got married. And then when we came, uh, when we decided we wanted to land, we picked Bend, Oregon. And so we came to Bend in the fall of 2008 and Jamie my business partner also came to Bend in the fall of 2008 and she uh, we met on the tennis courts and you know the story goes like it was a it was a beginner tennis class and there were six women and uh, including myself and so four of the women I felt like I couldn't hit the ball very hard too it was going to hurt somebody and I'm a terrible tennis player <laughs> I'm the first thing about tennis but I'm relatively athletic and you know just kind of wanted to I wanted to roll with it, but then Jamie got across the net and she started railing the ball at me. <laughs> I thought, okay, that one, that one I can play with. This will be great. And so we just laughed. She could oh take gosh. it. She could take it. She just dished it out even harder. Yeah. So we just we had a great time and a really amazing connection from the moment we met. And then um, she, it was like I said, fall of two thousand eight, and so her business had just tanked with the market. Mm. I had just been traveling for three years and wasn't working, but wanted to start something in this new town mm-hmm. that I moved to. And Jamie and I just, just, just fell in love. Like we just yeah. loved spending time together, and we thought, well, let's do something together. We didn't know it was going to be kombucha. Um, we just wanted to do something together. Mm-hmm. And at first, we actually thought about doing hydroponics because we live in a desert and we wanted to do fresh right. fruits and vegetables yeah. year-round. And she was growing lettuce in her bathtub. Oh, with yeah. Hydroponics system. <laughs> and it was the best lettuce I ever. love that. That's yeah. awesome. I got to try that. I have a bathroom or a bathtub I'm not really using. Like, Yeah. <laughs> I got to pick her brain about how that works. And some water yeah. flowing through. I mean, it was uh, so we were going to do hydroponics, but realized that we actually needed a little bit of money to build systems and right. spaces, and we didn't have any money. So I said, in the meantime, um, I brew this drink. It's called kombucha, and it's really yummy, and it's super good for you, and um, you know, it's just it's great. And she said, okay, well, let me try it. And she came over and she tried kombucha, and her first words were. I can sell this to everybody. <laughs> and I thought, okay, well, you know, that's 
that's solid because I I don't care about selling it to anybody. I was just happy <laughs> to share it, and I loved yeah. making it, and she wanted yeah. to sell it, and so it's just a perfect partnership. And we didn't, you know, Darlene, like we didn't know at the time how far it would come or how big we wanted to grow it. We just we just knew that we were happy and we yeah. were really enjoying spending time together and we were really we really believed in what we were putting out there and we just wanted we just wanted everybody to feel great like we just mm. wanted to help people feel great and if this was a way to do it then then we were psyched yeah that's so, amazing yeah yeah um so so she was like I can sell this and you were like okay cool I'm down and then who was your first like who did you sell it to immediately? I mean, was it just like your neighbors and friends or? Yeah, totally. Okay. We, Leia, so we had just moved to Ben, so we didn't know anybody. Yeah. I mean, Jamie had kids in school, so she sent it to the, you know, eight people that she knew from her kids' school. And I lived in a neighborhood with, you know, six other houses around me. So that was it. We sent out an email, said we had this tea. It's very healthy. It's very yummy. It's going to make you feel great. And um, <laughs> we started is a door-to-door delivery service. And we had these huge gallon glass jars and they're just like the milkman used to have there. Oh yeah. One gallon glass jars with the little, you know, they're jugs. Right. Totally. And, um, we, so we sent the email out and I, I think we had four gallons our very first week to, to give to people, to sell to people. And we got eight emails back that said, we want it. And we're like, okay, there's a, there's a wait list. There's a wait list our first week. And oh yeah. So we, <laughs> you know, we delivered those four and then the next week, you know, there was another wait list and another wait list, another wait list. But what we would do is we would pack the back of her Prius with these gallon <laughs> glass jars and we would go door to door and we would bring these full gallon glass jars and they would leave their empty gallon glass jars with $20 under the Oh mat. my God, that is like the milkman. Yeah, it totally was. <laughs> They're like, kombucha ladies. Yeah. We put little notes around town. Yeah. Oh, that's so cute. Yeah. I love that. That's, that's just, there's something so like sweet and simple about that. Like it doesn't have to be here's our business plan and here's our investor, you know, portfolio or whatever. You were just like, I just want to do this. And she was, she was on board to make it happen with you. Absolutely. And we tried early on to write a business plan and it just, it just didn't come together because we didn't have a business yet. It didn't make sense to us to come up with a business plan when we didn't. It was just like a fun project. Yeah. It was just like a way to give. Yeah, and it's certainly, you know, we did all the things that we needed to as far as, you know, filing with the state and having the food inspector come to the kitchen sure. and do all those things. But um, for us, we were just having, we were so into doing the business that to do things like, you know, write your business plan and do all this and do all this. Like we just, we were doing, we were doing what we loved and we were just, just in it. Yeah. Yeah. Amen. <laughs> So I want to, I want to kind of fast forward a little bit. Like that was how many years ago? That was early 2009. Early 2009. 2009. Okay. So here we are, 2017. We're in a brand new facility that just, you guys just moved into a couple months ago, like January-ish, right? January. It's beautiful. And, um, I heard some number like your, your productions increase, like times three or something like that or more yeah because of your new line and all that so totally yeah the new line is still we still uh the newest line is still uh getting put together it'll be up and running in you know a handful of weeks but it just the sheer 
space available and the mm-hmm. ability to run our current line uh, 24 hours when we need to is I, I'm not super clear on how much production has increased today I know mm-hmm. that we'll be able to get you know upwards of 10 times what we had been able to uh, in our old facility so yeah it's but nuts. does it ever just blow your mind like oh my god door to door all the time because yeah. 2009 didn't seem that long ago and yet right. for this it business it was a lifetime ago yeah you know it's changed probably so a few much. lifetimes ago <laughs> yeah 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 and you were operating under kombucha mama back then you right mm-hmm. yeah so how did the name come about and and how did the name change to hum come about yeah we um it was you know it's so interesting for me i uh i started the business and then almost immediately after I got pregnant with my first child. And then, you know, a couple years later, it was my second child coming along. The reason I say that, and uh, we can talk about kind of balancing being a mom and being in business yeah. has, been, has been tricky. But to answer your question about the name change, the reason that's important is that it was actually happening around the time of my second child being Mm. born and Jamie and I you know Jamie definitely stepped into the business more as far as time spent and just you know energy put forth into it while I was putting forth energy into my kids and the business Uh, and she had said you know she came to me around this time that we were considering changing our name she said okay how big are we gonna make this thing like do we want to stay this small Bend company and just service Central Oregon and maybe you know the outskirts of mm-hmm. Oregon, maybe Washington. Or do we want to do we want to blow this thing out and mm-hmm. take it nationwide? And I said, Jamie, I I will. I do not have a strong opinion on this. Like I will support you. I will support this business in whatever you decide. And she said, I think we should make it huge. I was like, all right, let's do it. And we knew we couldn't do it with the name Kombucha Mama because, well, first of all, our our logo and our design was, you know, it was very, uh, I don't know, kind of like a high school or college slash art <laughs> did it. You know, it wasn't very sophisticated. Who and did do the, the design? I'm just curious. Yeah, it was actually, we had a uh, Facebook um, contest. Oh, that's cool. They could come up with a logo. Yeah. And it was a gal and sisters. She did a beautiful Sweet. job. And, yeah. Uh, it just, it was very local. It was yeah. like local. It brand. does, it reminds me of like local sisters art, which is nothing bad about that at all no but it's just like a particular local style and I could see how that may not translate or like appeal to a wide audience we were thinking okay this is going to go into you know the midwest or down in right Arkansas like we're going to have to do something a little different like we have to be able to speak to a bigger audience right and so we went to an agency uh, called TBD they're a a bend agency and yeah a lot of work with uh, breweries and other um, clients and had said we need some help with our our logo our point of sale you know we just want to be more sophisticated and they mm-hmm. said well would you consider changing your name and at first Jamie and I were like hell no we're not changing your name <laughs> this is the best name ever Kombucha Mama are you kidding <laughs> and they said you know okay all right we're gonna we'll let you sit in that but um I would just open it up and consider changing the name and yeah as we sat in it and we realized that at the time there was less than three percent of the whole U.S. population knew what kombucha was wow so yeah to lead with that name and plus it's a big word and it looks funny and people didn't know how to pronounce it they didn't know what it was much right. less how to pronounce it and to lead with that was um it, it 
it was off-putting to yeah. a large audience. And for us, at the time, the kombucha companies that were in business uh, very much went toward the natural grocer or the natural um, foods area. They hum. What we wanted to do is we wanted to make it available to as many people as possible, mm-hmm. and we wanted to go mainstream with it. We wanted to, we wanted to see if it was possible to do it in a mainstream mm-hmm. way. Yeah, we and also for us, you know, we weren't. We weren't saying, okay, you shouldn't drink sodas, or you shouldn't drink Red Bull, or you shouldn't drink all these things. We were just saying, hey, here's another option, and see how it feels. You know, try it on. Mm-hmm. And so we needed a name that that could that could bridge those spaces. Yeah, you know, that could appeal to as many people as possible. And Hum, you know, Hum was came out of a. I mean, it took us a year and a half to do the whole process. Wow. Yeah. And you know, we talked about Hum being you know, this, this energy, this vibration, this, you know, people hum when they're happy and you talk Mm -hmm. about humming along or, you know, there's the whole ohm aspect of hum and, you know, it, it was a word that we resonated with and something Mm -hmm. that we could, uh, that we felt had legs. Mm -hmm. Yeah, for sure. Um, I love that strategy or that vision of being, just being like accessible and, and just wanting to see if you could take it mainstream without making any other beverages out there on the market bad or bad for you or I mean there's a lot of I mean there's a lot of different ways to go about strategy with with food products as you know and I think like part of that is you know such and such thing is bad you need to stay away from that and have this instead like choose the nutrition bar over the candy bar choose the water over the soda or whatever it is but you've just kind of removed all that negativity and said this is really good just try it and yeah. see if you like it. <laughs> yeah, I think about, you know, we have our four core values, our number one core value is optimism, and it's seeing the endless possibility that exists in the world. And with that, for Jamie and I, and, you know, for Hum, it's it's really not about shaming other, you know, people for their choices or shaming other products or people feeling guilty. I mean, that just goes completely against how we how I, you know, how I think that, how I think that people really want to be. Nobody wants to feel guilty or awful about whatever. And so we, I don't know, we just really believe that people, people make the choices they do and they do it for a really good reason. And, and they might not even know the reason. And who are we to tell them what is good and bad for them? We don't know. Mm -hmm. We're just saying, Hey, this is an option. And if it makes you feel great, then great. Yeah. And if it doesn't, then that's okay too. Yeah. <laughs> We're having this huge party and everyone's invited. <laughs> We're just having the most fun and we want people to feel awesome. Yeah. So, you know, if you want to join in the party, great. Come on board. And if not, okay, no problem. Yeah. Yeah. I feel like that optimism um, and just general like, like positivity and freedom for people to be who they are really feeds into your company culture too. I mean, I've worked in and freelanced with other companies that are quote unquote natural foods or um, kind of putting forth that like attitude of everyone can make their own choices and like, you know, positivity and we're all just trying to do the best we can and let's try to do what's good for the planet and stuff. But like behind the scenes, 
that's not always the case, like in the company, like it doesn't, it may flow through on the outside, but it doesn't always flow through on the inside, Mm -hmm. you know? And, um, I feel like hum is really unique coming from, I have a little bit of insider perspective. Yeah, totally. (laughs) Um, in that like your whole, your whole company attitude seems to be very, um, uplifting, positive, encouraging, Mm towards employees, towards partners, towards people like myself who are freelancers or, or contractors with you guys. Mm-hmm. Um, what if was that, was that like intentional from the beginning or did it just kind of evolve or is it like you setting forth that, um, that example or I want to hear a little bit about how that happened. Yeah. Um, it was super intentional from the very, very beginning. I, so for me, the, the reason that I do what I do and the reason that my motivation for starting this company had everything to do with the people that worked here. Mm. I really appreciate that we have a great product and that it makes people feel great and that we're, we're getting it out to as many people as possible. I love that. But at the end of the day, what I care about most is the experience of the people that work here. Mm-hmm. And the reason for that is that I... You know, I did all these various jobs before and while I was good at them and I was successful, it's still, I hated it. Yeah. I mean, you know, I didn't always hate it, but I, at the end of the day, I didn't love it. Yeah. No. And it depleted me of energy. And so at the end of the day, I would go home just completely exhausted. And it seemed to me so silly that we, you know, we spend, at least in America, we spend more time at our work than any other thing, in fact, even sleeping. Yeah. So we spend so many hours in a place that, that for many, many people is depleting. And I don't understand why, why? Mm-hmm. And I wanted to create a space that would be opposite of that for people, or at least have a space where people could come to work and they could they could be fulfilled they could love what they do they could go home and they don't feel like they have to puke all over their spouse or their kids mm-hmm. or you know just sit on the couch because they're completely exhausted but that they're actually fulfilled that they actually feel like they're a part of something amazing and mm-hmm. magical and so this intention of creating this this space has been has been from day one and we do a lot of different things to to continue that on like we have you know we have what's called the hip program it's the humster immersion program it's it's how super hip right right? it's our cultural onboarding and it just kind of explains our history and why we do what we do and um, really gets to the core of who we are and how um and how we want to show up mm-hmm. for people here and for the world. And then, you know, we have culture keepers and they, they, everybody's involved in that. It's a, it's mm. a rotating thing. Every quarter, a group of today, it's four people. And I'm sure with more people working here, it'll have to be more people or it gets to be more people. But each quarter, there's a rotation and the culture keepers are in charge of making sure that we have birthday lunches each month and that Mm. we get all of our food for the quarterlies and that we do these activities together that, um, you know, that that people love. And uh, yeah, I think that there's there's a recognition of our staff that what we have here is is pretty special Mm -hmm. and so I think that people are they're 
you know, they're fiercely protective of that. They want that con- that culture to continue on and to grow and to just expand as we all expand. And so we all are super intentional about making sure that we're still coming from our heart, from mm-hmm. our core, from our intention, no matter how all the other bells and whistles and, you know, growth mm-hmm. that happens, that we're still in a very intentional heart space. Mm -hmm. Yeah. And I think that you, um, at least like when we have meetings and when we talk about, um, blog content or whatever we're working on, I love that you always come back to, but why, why do people care about this? Why are we sharing this? What's our purpose? Mm -hmm. You know, because we can sit in a room and think this is a great thing to talk about, or this is a great thing to write about. Everybody wants to know about, you know, St. Patrick's Day recipes for kombucha <laughs> or whatever, but like really it's, yeah, but do they, do they really? And like, what are we really saying? And what are we really, what kind of legacy and, and, you know, feedback and communication with our customers and with our community are we really trying to have? Yeah. And I just love that you're such a good, like you, you like set us back on track with like, what's our core intention? What value are we really delivering? Yeah. You know, we watched, there's a really great Ted talk from Simon Sinek and it's called Mm -hmm. the golden circle. And he talks about that very, um, you know, that that very thing. He talks about the difference between operating from your why Mm -hmm. your purpose as to what you're selling. You know, a lot of companies say, okay, this is what we have. Would you like to buy it? And, and it's, there's not a lot of depth to that. Mm -hmm. So I think the why is what really adds the depth to any organization. And it's something that drives us. And Jamie and I have always said, you know, if it wasn't kombucha, it would be something else. Mm. At the end of the day, we simply want to share joy and love and light and put it out into the world Mm -hmm. to as many people as possible. And we happen to have an amazing product that holds energy. It's a live raw product Mm -hmm. that holds energy and that fills people as they drink it. Like it's a beautiful vehicle. Mm -hmm. And if it wasn't kombucha, it would be something else. It's much, it's equally as much a part. The intention is equally as as important as the actual kombucha itself. Yeah. As whatever that intention, like whatever body that comes out in or whatever product that creates. Yeah. I mean, we sing to our scobies, like we sing to our kombucha. Yeah. I was going to ask you about that. Yeah. No, I think that's awesome. Like draw hearts. <laughs> yeah. I've seen, um, so I've gotten to tour your, um, your tasting room on second street and bend and see like, see the the big buckets with the scobies and um yeah I think when when Mike um who I also work with um here at Hum gave me that tour it was like uh it felt a little like walking into a sacred space yeah like and he didn't really tell me anything like at first but it was like the vibe that I got I was like ooh, this is like really good yeah I mean there was just good vibes in there and it was I think that that just goes into you know your product obviously goes out to to all your customers and to everybody trying hum and and loving hum and I think it just like it comes back to you yeah totally I think what you put out there comes back to you so yeah anyway it's it's a palpable feeling yeah yeah yeah. for sure yeah we call it our nursery and we are really intentional and mindful of that space and the energy that goes into it and the and the you know the vibe that we share 
with the product. I mean, it is live. And you're right. I think it does get whatever. It's for any human being, right? Whatever we put out into the world, you know, eventually flows. It's a flow. It's not yeah. just, a, it's not an output. It's an output and an input. And it's a constant flow and a constant balance. And mm-hmm. I think that's true for any person and for our product too. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And I think that's why I love food products and, and drinks so much is that they become like a part of your cells, literally. Yeah, literally. And it's, and I think like when I find, you know, when I, when I have access to really great ingredients or really great products or whatever that is, um, that give off like the nutrition and the energy and stuff, but also just, I know the people behind them and I know like the, the values and the, just the, the good intentions and all those good vibes. It's just like, makes it even better. Yeah. It's like, Oh, I'm like, I, my body is absorbing all of that, Yeah, you know? And, um, it may sound a little woo woo or whatever to the listeners, but I totally believe it. Yeah. No, (laughs) I get it. It it does sound woo woo. And I think that there's a lot to it. You know, I think it's so true. I mean, we, we feel the same way. Yeah. That's awesome. Yeah. So I did want to ask you too, like, what is your role now? I mean, how has your role kind of changed from being, you were basically like the head brewer in the very beginning, Mm -hmm. right? And now I'm curious what your, what your sort of day in the life looks like. Yeah. Well, um, we're not really big on titles here. We seem to need them from time to time for the outside world. But I, so I got to make up my own title, which is chief cultural angel. (laughs) And it's perfect. I love that. I love it. Yeah. Um, my main job is to make sure that we are, like we were talking about earlier, that we are living in integrity with our intention and with our, um, uh, you know, with our with our intention. Mm-hmm. And it's, you know, I do cultural onboarding, the HIP program. I make sure that whatever we put out into the world um, is is from our voice and really expresses the why. It, the why is very much considered and expressed through our writing. So, um, you know, obviously, like you're one of our writers, and so I do our edits. You know, yep. the, I'm our editorial director in the marketing realm of the company. So, yes. anything that goes out to the world, I have the last eyes on it to make sure that we're speaking uh, true to our um, true to who we are. Mm-hmm. So, so it's internal and external communication, I guess. You know, mm-hmm. it's making sure that the people that work here understand why we do what we do and how to actually communicate in the way that's most efficient here. Mm-hmm. And then whatever's put out into the world is also reflects mm-hmm. that. Nice. So do you have to... Um I'm just like sort of imagining like, do you need to like sign off on press releases and ads and like things like that too? Or yeah, I definitely, I, I'm not always the last signature on it, but I'm definitely uh, somewhere in there. Absolutely. Yeah. Yeah. Cool. What's your um, favorite part about all of that? I mean, or do you have one? <laughs> I don't know. I always yeah, I feel like the words, this is my favorite part about my job come out a lot. Yeah. So I'm not sure if I have them. I really think that my favorite part really is the, the onboarding of our new staff. Mm. It's seeing that, you know, we started this year with 60 some staff members and right now we're at 85. Wow. I think. I mean, yeah. We've hired over 20 people since January and we're in March right now. So it's yeah. happening so fast. And I feel like as long as, 
as long as we're still a space where people can come to work and it fills them and they are um, they they know that they're part of something really magical and really big as long as that feeling remains no matter how many people are here whether there's eight of us or 80 of us or 800 of us I have no idea how big this thing will go yeah then um then I've then I'm doing my job and it mm-hmm. really truly is since the very beginning what has motivated me and continues to motivate me today. Mm-hmm. and I think that at least with what I've seen there's um that culture that starts with you like runs really deep like you said all the everybody here really works hard to protect that so it's almost like one of those things that like you don't really need to worry about getting big because it feels like everyone's taking care of each other yeah and like you know keeping that just keeping that positivity train going you know like there's no I mean I would I have I've heard of companies like growing big and then it's like oh our culture change and we don't it's not the same anymore and like there's there's some of that closeness is lost which is probably always going to be true but the the main like core of of who you are as a company feels like it's it's never going to go away if you are intentional with that onboarding and mm-hmm. then everybody else is like you know keeps it keeps it alive as well absolutely yeah it's like a snowball that just keeps getting bigger and bigger and bigger yeah. and has that much more momentum and yeah um yeah you know one of the one of my favorite things that we do and we've done it from the very beginning is we do love notes and it's um guys such a I just makes me I'm smiling so big. You are. <laughs> it used to be that Jamie and I would write a love note on everybody's paycheck when oh, we started. That's we adorable. Little sticky notes, yeah. And this was before direct deposit or before we actually knew how to make that work. And we would write a little love note every two weeks for the people that you know about something that they did or who they are. Just yeah. And eventually, that you know, there became more people that that um, that that just couldn't happen every couple of weeks. And so we have, we now, with 80 some people, we have this little bucket of love notes and um, there's little sticky notes. It's right in our lounge. It's like right when you walk in the lounge and um, there's pens and sticky notes and people just write love notes to their, to their friends, to their coworkers about something that they really appreciate. And I think that if, you know, it's just, it's about cultivating a, a culture of gratitude and appreciation. Right, yeah. And I think, you know, there's people talk about that a lot and that's, and I love that and mm-hmm. love that people talk about it. And, you know, it's, people have said prayers of gratitude over their food for however many, you know, eons. eons. Yeah, probably. Yeah. Right. And it's just simply an extension of, of gratitude. Yeah. Uh, gratitude is so important. I started doing a gratitude practice like this, I mean, it was probably around December or so. I really haven't been doing it that long, but like just writing a list every day of things that I'm grateful for. And yeah. it's amazing. It's an amazing tool. It it's shifts. so powerful. Something shifts. Yeah. 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 It's like, and I know, or I've heard of a lot of people too, bef- like before they even get out of bed, they're yeah. starting a list in their head, which is, I haven't gotten there yet. <laughs> I need my coffee first. <laughs> It's a jump start. Yeah, sometimes it's like, yeah, it takes a second for the good things to pour out. No. Um, Well, I do this with my kids. We have three blinds in their bedroom. And at the end of each day, you know, before we turn down a blind, we each say something that we're grateful for. It's I have two kids, me and the two kids. Oh. You know, at May usually starts first. And she says her gratitude for the day. 
and then Edge says his gratitude for the day and I say my gratitude for the day and we just wrap up the day that way. Oh, that's awesome. Yeah. Yeah, That's a great way to go to sleep too. Yeah. Just peaceful and happy and thankful. Yeah. Yeah. Um, so I guess that leads us into this next, into this question really well. Um, how do you, so how do you balance and shift the roles now of being a mom and being a business owner and all the growth that Hum is experiencing and and still going through? It's really tricky for me. It's the thing I bump up against the most. Yeah. Um, I would love to spend more time. I currently work three days a week. And then, you know, most evenings doing editing or whatever it is yeah. in the evenings. But, um, but I, I also, there's, there's, I would make the same decisions every single time as far as the time I spend with my kids. They're, they're a little bit older now, which is helpful. They're four and seven. And so to have that school day, you know, the school time available is really sweet. The youngest mm-hmm. one is still in preschool and he only goes three days a week, which is when, when I work. But I, um... I don't know, you know, somebody recently asked me, how am I different at work versus just in my Mm. day-to-day life? That's an interesting question. Yeah. Yeah. And I said, I feel like I'm exactly the same. I mean, I'm a mom to these two little beings and everything that I think about surrounds them and their well-being. And I hold the same space at home. Like, I feel like I... Um, you know, Jamie and I have the most beautiful partnership in the world, I think. I mean, she's so good at running the company, at mm-hmm. running the day-to-day and pushing things forward and keeping things moving. And she moves so fast, Arlene. Like, mm-hmm. she's between her and Eric, both of them. And they're like <laughs> a freight train. And they go. And it's awesome. It's amazing. And they really, really drive the organization. Mm-hmm. And then I feel like my role then is to make sure that we're caring for all of it. So I... Mm-hmm. I'm I play a mother role here Mm, yeah and I take care of our staff and I make sure that as we're driving forward and as we're hiring all these people and as we're making more tea and as we're doing all the things that we're doing that we're still taking care Mm -hmm. of of what you know we love and and cherish Mm mm-hmm so it's kind of the same. So from that perspective, I think it actually works out really well. You know, yeah. I'm either a, a, a mother at home or a mother here. And, you know, I just kind of Different aspects of motherhood, exactly. really. Exactly. I just roll yeah. wherever, you know, wherever I'm, wherever I'm being a mom. But, um, yeah, it, it, it is tricky, especially, like I said, at the beginning when they were really young. And I, I definitely bumped up against the whole you know, being at work and wanting to be at home with them or being mm-hmm. at home and wanting to spend more time at home. I mean, our our business baby grew so fast and so, and is still growing so fast. And I, I, I love it dearly and I want to be as much a part of it as possible. I think I'm in, in a really sweet space now. It's helpful that they're a little bit older, they yeah. have a little bit more time um, to to toggle between the two yeah. and it doesn't even feel like toggling I would say that it, like I said before you know being a mom in whatever space it is it actually just feels like it, it feels it feels pretty consistent pretty fluid mm-hmm. you know I it was talking with a woman the other day and she said you know it's so interesting I think that a lot of times people separate their work and their home or their family and yeah. their job and that to me doesn't make sense because it's one life we have one life that we live. Mm-hmm. And the story 
that happens in that life is simply the story. So the backdrop might look different. I might be at my house with the kids or at the park Mm -hmm. or at home or on an airplane. The backdrop changes all the time. The scenes change, but it's one life. You are one being that gets to flow through whatever story Mm -hmm. is happening for you at the time. And so I think that... For me, it's been a lot about integration and and integrating who I am, like putting forth my being, my personality, my heart into wherever I happen to be. Mm, Yeah. That it's not that you're different people. It's just that maybe a different aspect of you might come out more, Mm -hmm. you know, in different situations. Mm -hmm. But you're still you. You're still... The core of you is still Michelle. Totally. Yeah. I mean, I yeah. sing at home and I sing at work. Yeah, <laughs> exactly. Yeah. Right. I love that. Um, what would you, is there anything you like wish that you could tell like a young mom who, or not even a young mom, maybe just a new mom that's, that's either starting a business or in business that maybe their kids aren't in school yet. I mean, cause you did, you started when you were, when you were pregnant. Yeah. Yeah. And, um, what was that like? What was, what was was that time? (laughs) Like, what would you tell? It's a bit of a blur. Yeah. (laughs) To be honest. I would just, I guess I would just say, just, um, just breathe. Give it some time. Give give it some space. Just know that nothing is ever permanent. Things are always changing. And, You know, whether it's you're trying to figure out why your kid isn't sleeping and getting up every day at three in the morning, I mean, that is going to pass in a couple of weeks. Like, just things move and evolve so quickly and to not get bogged down in the, in the heaviness of, of what's happening at the time. And it's easy to do and we all do it. I still do it, you know, Mm -hmm. but it's, I think to just be able to take a step back, to breathe, to know that. You know, it's temporary. It's Everything's temporary. temporary. And like we talked about yeah. earlier, practicing gratitude to just, I think practicing gratitude forces you to take a step back and to look at the bigger picture and to look at what is happening around you. It, it makes you so that you're not just focused on that one thing that might be frustrating or heavy, but to step back and say, okay, this is a pretty amazing life yeah you know so yeah I guess I would just tell any new parent to you know <laughs> it <laughs> to goes breathe. so fast to breathe and it yeah. goes so fast and to really cherish it you know people say that all the time be really present because your kids grow so fast and mine are only four and seven but I'm already experiencing that they do they grow yeah. really fast and so to just really practice mindfulness of being with your kids when you're with your kids mm. and then when you're not to know that to know that they're fine and you not being with them and filling your bucket in a different space away from them is helping you to be more present when you're with them. So if you're if you're if you're not present in both situations, I mean it's just like a it's just like a hamster. You're not helping you're anybody. Just, you're not helping anybody, you're spinning, spinning, spinning. Yeah. And your child will be absolutely fine and it is part of their experience to not be with you all the time. I think that's right. one thing that at least as a mom has been tricky for me from time to time to think that you know they they it's better for them if I'm with them more often and that's just simply not true they are their own people and their own beings and they they come at least 
the way I see it. You know, they, I, I actually believe that they chose me to be their mom and however that shakes out is part of their, part of their life, part of their journey. And I yeah. get to be, I get to be a part of it. Mm-hmm. Yeah. That was a little, (laughs) (laughs) no, but I think it's, it's really great to remind yourself of that. And I like what you said about filling your bucket somewhere else is, is necessary, is important for you and, and really helps them too in the long run. Absolutely. Like so many, there's so much mom guilt out there, you know, and I have friends who are moms and stuff and it's just, it's like working and being a mom always seems to be this, this pull, like, you know, and so I really liked that you articulated that, that it's part of their experience for you to not be there all the time. I think that's wonderful. And it helps them be more of an individual and, and kind of figure out their own, their own self. Yeah. Um, so yeah, I think it only helps them with life skills and yeah. meeting new people and, and communicating themselves, you know, to others, um, when they don't have a parent figure around. Yeah. So. And I think for them anyway. too, I really love, you know, I get, I love that they get to be a part of this hum thing as well. You know, they see that this is their mom's company, their mom and dad work at this amazing space and they get to experience that from, Mm -hmm. you know, from the side and not even from the side, from the side, you know, they're, they're a part of it as well. So I love that. I love that they have that, um, they have that perspective too. Yeah. It's not all about them. Right. There's a whole world. (laughs) Yeah. Yeah. No, I think that, um, that seeing your parents, um, in whatever, you know, whatever work capacity can be really impression, you know, it can really make an impression on a kid. I remember like visiting my dad at work and he, um, worked, he's a, so he's a meat cutter and he worked at Fred Meyer for many, many years. And, um, it was like, take your daughter to work day or whatever. And it was like, yeah, I mean, my dad wasn't, you know, he worked all day and wasn't home during the day, but like I got to see him in his work environment and it was just, it was cool and it was different. And it was like my dad in a whole new light. And so I only imagine that it's like that for them, but even more so because they're they're around a lot more. I see Ed, I see Edge at least at birthday lunches and stuff like that. Yeah, so yeah. he's adorable. He sings to the Scobies too. Yeah. It's <laughs> so cool. Mostly Twinkle Twinkle Little Star, but they like it. It's all good. Yeah. Uh, that's awesome. So I would love to hear what it's like working with Jamie. Is it like you, you mentioned that she just... Um, she like runs a mile a minute and she's just like a force and that's that's awesome i i have a couple friends that i've toyed around with starting businesses with but i think something has stopped me for for whatever reason and i want to know like what are the ups and downs of working with of working with a best friend yeah um I love working with Jamie. I mean, she's just, we really complement each other well. I think for us, it's a little bit of a unique situation in that we became friends as the business developed. So we really know each other. I mean, we met each other on the tennis courts. I think that, you know, we've known each other for lifetimes, Mm -hmm. but our friendship really developed as we started working together. So that's probably a lot different than, you know, starting a business with your best friend who you've known for Mm -hmm. 20 years or whatever it is. Yeah. Uh, But I think... um, So she's like what I would call your business bestie. She's absolutely my business bestie (laughs) and my life bestie. I was with my BFF in Bend for the longest time and she would joke about it. She would say, oh my gosh, can I just be your BFF? I mean, it was in Bend for a very long time. (laughs)
I mean, I think what I'm curious about the most is, is there ever a time where you guys clash and how do you resolve that? Yeah. Oh, absolutely. I think that, um, one of the best things you can do, whether it's your, whether it's your friend that you're in business with or anybody that you work with is to have, to have space to communicate. Like we, we talk about having difficult conversations and we have plenty of difficult conversations, Jamie and I, and then, you know, people in the company, you can't run a business or do right. anything uh, without having a difficult conversation along the way. And to be able to, to offer space for people to say what they need to say and to recognize that sometimes they just need to say it. Right. And that, that sometimes doesn't have anything to do with you. To allow people space to have their own experience and to recognize the influence that you have on that experience. Mm. So I think there's a distinction between the recognition of your influence and then taking it on as yours. And I think a lot of times, at least for me, as women, we tend to take things on that might not actually be ours. Mm-hmm. And that um, that doesn't serve anyone. Mm-hmm. And so Jamie and I, we've absolutely, we, we have the most fun and we get along 90, eight nine percent of the time but we we have so much respect for the other and so much um, honor for where the other person is not only in the business but in their life mm-hmm. that we're able to step back and have a conversation to be a good listener and to just um to be able to work through it i mean it's mm-hmm. absolutely been the key to our success as friends in business i think is mm-hmm. the communication yeah yeah, I mean that's it's got to all come from there, right? If you can't to. communicate, no, it's like <laughs> you can't do anything. Any really. partnership, no, I mean, you can't. You can't be in partnership without yeah. being able to have difficult conversations. Yeah. I think the other magical thing about the two of you is that you have different strengths, which is always really important. And then you also have Eric too, which has a whole other yeah. set of strengths. Yeah. So was that like intentional in filling in the gaps? Absolutely. Actually, there's a book that we read, and it's called The Entrepreneurial DNA, and it's by Joe Abraham, and it was absolutely, um, it it was pivotal Mm. in our business at the time. And the way Joe explains it is that an entrepreneur isn't an entrepreneur, isn't an entrepreneur, that it used to be that there was this one size fits all about Mm. what an entrepreneur is. And he suggests that there is, there are different types of entrepreneurs. And um, he has actually an online quiz that you can go to, and I, I'm sure. You can I think just I found it. Yeah, I'll put it in the show notes, and I'll put the the book in the show notes too. Yeah. But I, I think I found it because we mentioned, or you mentioned it to me a while ago. Yeah, it's amazing. Yeah, and what we discovered with Jamie and I, I mean, not only did we discover what our strengths are, which we intuitively knew, but it was really helpful in being able to understand where Jamie was coming from and how I can communicate to her in a way that she hears, and vice versa, that she can communicate to me in a way that I hear. Mm. and to just honor what strengths we we pull from. So what we recognize when we read this book is there, there's four different parts, as Joe suggests, of the DNA. And we recognize that there we had three of them in spades. Like, we were good to go. And we had a little bit of the fourth, but we that was absolutely what we were lacking. Yeah. Which is exactly what Eric is. And, and what is that? Do you know that, that fourth, fourth thing? It's, it's the builder. It's the person who uh, loves okay. business just for the sake of business. Whether you're selling widgets or kombucha or whatever it is, <laughs> they love business for the sake of business. Yeah. And that's Eric. Like, he just loves the structure of business. That he's so good at... Um, 
at putting systems in place. I mean, he's our chief strategy officer. It couldn't be a better title and a better place for him in the organization is to, to strategically grow what we have. Mm-hmm. Um, Jamie is an opportunist who, you know, she, she just, she, she shines in whatever opportunities in front of her. I mean, she just, she sells on enthusiasm. She, she, navigates from enthusiasm mm, yeah um for me i um i am a, a, an inventor of sorts and it, it i love to tinker in whatever it is we're building you know i love the business i i loved making the kombucha just for the sake of making kombucha right. i didn't yeah. care whether we sold any i just was really happy making kombucha so with jamie yeah. and i paired together it was awesome and then as our business grew we needed somebody that was going to come in that offered structure and right. to be able to push it forward and eric is exactly that and came on at the exact right time. Right. Okay. That's awesome. Yeah. What a great resource. I will definitely um, link to that. Well, I would say one other resource too that was really helpful for us early mm-hmm. on was the E-Myth by Michael. Oh Gerber. yeah. I've heard of that. Okay. It, uh, those two books, I would say, especially early in our business, yeah. were two that we absolutely drew from and, um, and really, they really, really helped us. Mm-hmm. Yeah. One thing I've been trying to do a little bit better or more intentionally in my own business too, is look at what are really my strengths and what am I just not, is not in my wheelhouse at all. And how can I get help with that? Or, you know, bring in like, like taxes, it's tax time for me. So I'm like accountant, that's my accountant's job. I would never try to do that. Yeah. It would stress me out way too much, Yeah. (laughs) but like other things like that, I think it's, it's great for for anyone in business to realize what are my like core strengths and what do I need help with yeah and how does my partner or how do the people that I employ fill in that gap so that we have a nice like the three legs of the stool right like a nice solid foundation where we can all like contribute something really necessary really needed yeah yeah. yeah. So what would be some advice that you have for anybody starting a new business or, or trying to get into either the food or beverage world or. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I, you know, I'm not, I don't know that I have advice as far as getting into the food and beverage world. I would say any new business is to just go for it. Like just do it, you know, borrowing from Nike, which by <laughs> the way, I'm reading shoe dog right now. Oh yeah. Um, which is still nights. Nice you know the story of of nike amazing it's an amazing book i love it uh so but but truly to just go for it i think that there's there's something that happens there's a balance right between educating yourself on what you need you know we certainly had to go through all of the you know oregon law the you know getting everything approved doing all the you know just logistical things that yeah. have to happen. So you, mm-hmm. gotta, you gotta do those things. You gotta educate yourself on what you need. You know, a couple of books. But you never have to, at least I said never, and I'm always really careful when I use that <laughs> word, but I, I don't think, you know, I have to reinvent the wheel. I think one thing that Jamie and I did so well, and you started talking about this, Darlene, was that um, we just asked for a lot of help. We were really clear that there were things that we were super good at, and yeah. there were also things that we had no idea what we were doing. And this was, neither one of us had any experience in the food and beverage world. I mean, I was making kombucha in a gallon glass jar and we thought, 
hey, we should make this more environmentally sustainable. Let's put it in kegs, you know, let's let's have a refillable thing. Well, we didn't, we didn't have any idea about how to put kombucha in kegs. But so we go over to the brew shop, you know, kind of knock on the door and talk to the guy that owns the brew shop. <laughs> and we're like, how do you do kegs? And, you know, he took us in and he helped us figure out kegs. And we live in Bend, which is, I don't know how many craft breweries there are now. Like, 30 some or something, but like there's a culture of brewing. There is, yeah. It was really helpful for us. People were happy to to show us the ropes. So I guess I would just say go for it and don't be afraid to ask for help because nobody can do it in a vacuum. It's, you can't can't live life that way. So, um, yeah. Yeah, I mean, those and those people that help you are, they're amazing. Like, just amazing resources. Other people who have figured a few things out and just want to share, and it's a great way to make connections, too. Absolutely. I think the other thing, you know, that I just thought of is to recognize that, um, that it's not going to be perfect. Like, you're not going to start a business with the perfect business plan or the perfect, you know, way to execute. Or I think, I personally believe that perfection is happening all the time perfection is a it's a process it's not a it's a not it's not a stagnant point in time and space it is something that is permeating through Mm. all of our lives and you know when Eric and I were traveling we spent quite a bit of time in India and there was a Hindu poem that's called Om Purnamidad and the English translation of it is, this is perfect, that is perfect, from the perfect springs the perfect, take the perfect from the perfect, and only the perfect remains. Mm. And it's something that really speaks to me in a way that um, I just think that perfection isn't something that is unattainable and that you're constantly reaching toward but is is happening all the time and in all spaces and that everything is happening at exactly the right time in exactly the right space. And if you just, just, God, just go for it and just recognize that, that everything is happening for you at exactly the right time. Yeah. It doesn't mean that you can't, you know, there is, isn't going to be hard or isn't going to be, you know, challenging, but to just just stick with it right yeah it's those and I think it comes out in those like amazing connections and coincidences and like happy meetings and like even me coming to to work with him was a was kind of a happy coincidence um meeting through through another employee so yeah I mean I totally I love that and I think it's that um when you were talking about the the perfection like it made me think of that perfect unfolding it's just it's just how things happen and they were meant to happen that way because that's how they happened yeah exactly (laughs) and you may never actually know the reason why (laughs) yeah just is how it is yep yeah yeah oh that's amazing well it has been so great getting to talk to you and um just amazing I just I have a smile on my face now so (laughs) not that the sunshine didn't already put it there but um yeah I just um wanted to 
have you quickly tell people where they can find you if you're if if you have any Instagram accounts or anything like that you want to mention or where they can find hum or where they can follow hum yeah so hum you just go to hum.com and there's a space on where you can find hum and you type in your zip code and you know it shows where we're at um, we are in target now nationwide so yay yeah so most likely if you just go down the road and find your target um, we're in Costco and a few Pacific Northwest and then um, hopefully expanding out from there so as far as across the nation those are probably the best places yeah. or natural groceries and nationwide account but um just go to hum.com and find hum and, and target has a special flavor they do they right? have an exclusive flavor apple berry and i'm drinking it right now oh, it's so good <laughs> it's actually my first time having i haven't tried it yet oh, nice. and i love it yeah oh, it's delicious <laughs> So yeah, go to Target. Yeah. Um, and so where else? Anywhere else that they can find you? Uh, our Facebook, you know, our home yes. Facebook page. Um, I, we have an Instagram page. I'm sure I think we it's have just a at home page. Yeah, yeah. I, you know, maybe put those in the notes. I'm sure all those things exist. <laughs> I'll put them. <laughs> I will. I will link to it all. Yeah, I know where to find all that. So Great. for sure. Um, Okay, well, thank you so much for listening. And you can find show notes at pickledjarstudios.com slash toughcookiepodcast. And you can follow us on Instagram at toughcookiepodcast. Thanks, Michelle. Awesome. Thanks, Darlene. to tell you something oh boy. <laughs> I almost told you <laughs> I almost told you before the podcast but then I was like mm, maybe I'll just wait till after oh no it's good okay good I'm pregnant <laughs> I'm so happy for you oh my gosh Thank congratulations you. that's Thank so you. awesome how are you how are you feeling I'm good how- So if like the mom questions were a little, it's cause you know, I was asking for myself. <laughs>